98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo starts now. now. Straight up to the clock on this Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. We are live from the Auction Community Studios. My name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo. Burnsy, what's going on? Oh, what is going on? Rain is going on. We've got J.J. Watt tweeting out videos of Kyler Murray at the facility going on. That was with a, that, that. Have you seen that yet? Did you see the J.J. Watt video? I did not see the J.J. <laughs> but, video. But, but, but. So, so let me, I'll just set it up real quick. So J.J. Watt's working out at the Cardinals headquarters, right? And, and he's doing a selfie video. And behind him is Kyler Murray. And Kyler Murray's like working out or getting ready to lift some weights or something. And, and J.J. Watt says but 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 and, and like the whole it's like this <laughs> this whole thing is like but I thought he wasn't a good leader but I thought he wasn't going to stay I thought he wasn't going to work with the team and I but I thought he was this and but I thought he was that and he just all it's just a it's just a picture of JJ with Tyler in the back but 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 hey but. JJ JJ, tweet out a picture of him watching game film then you'll have my attention <laughs> <laughs> But, but, so but, but so tweet out a picture of, of, of Kyla Murray in in the in one of the facilities watching video of like some of the games. With, and with, you'll, with you'll have my full attention. Yeah, with an, iPad, with an iPad of like, okay, here's your Week Eleven matchup against the Rams, and he's watching that, the film whatever. for four yeah. hours. Yeah, right. Just yeah, movie theater, movie theater, and he's watching the game against the Rams. Just going through it, rewind, go over, rewind, go over. Where's the Mike linebacker? What did I see on this? Let me go through my reads for you. Yeah, when you send me that video, JJ, you'll have my attention. That is weight room. I could care less. That is an outstanding. Outstanding comeback by you on that one. Outstanding indeed. All right. We're here on this Tuesday afternoon. we got Troy Lovello coming up. We've also got a Suns player who's going to join us a little bit later on. Speaking of the Suns, our top story of the day. Burns and Gambo, the weigh-in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. Gambo, for the longest time, not the longest time, but for a while now, the last couple of weeks, we've wondered... How Devin Booker's play has elevated him in the minds of the MVP voters. If, if there's been enough of a push for Devin Booker in terms right. of the attention he might get. Today we got a little bit of an answer. And it's not a very good one if you're a Phoenix Suns fan, is it now? I don't, I mean, I don't know about that. I mean, what did we, well, we talked about finishing top five. We talked about getting some fourth and fifth place votes. I saw in the straw poll that he even had a third place vote, which is, you know, with, with Giannis and Embiid and Jokic, you wouldn't think, you know, that, that he would have gotten any third place votes, but he did get one. But overall, it, it looks like he's, what, seventh place overall in the MVP voting. We, were, we would have loved to have seen Book finish in the top five. It's a straw poll, so it's not a final thing. But right. um, I don't know. I mean, I guess some people are looking at it like this is, uh, you know, that, like it's a negative. But I think there are some positives to take out of it, if I'm being honest. If, if, okay, so if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, and I probably should have set this up a little bit better, ESPN did a straw poll, and this is the third time they've done it this year in terms of who's going to be the MVP. The last time they did one of these things, Booker was 10th. And we talked about it when it came out. If you remember, Gamble, we talked about it a lot when it came out. Like, man, he's 10th? Yeah, there's no traction there. He's not getting a lot of love. Uh, I mean, heck, Chris. 
Chris Paul was fifth in that straw poll that came out like a month and a half ago or so. In this latest straw poll, and what ESPN says will be their final MVP straw poll, Nikola Jokic right now is number one, Embiid is two, Giannis is three. Right. Then it goes John Morant, Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic, and Devin Booker, number seven. Okay. Now he's so, uh, go ahead. So yeah. this so there's two tiers. There's, there's the top tier, and one of those three guys is going to win it. Giannis, Jokic, and Embiid, and the rest of those guys are battling for fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh place. We don't know how it's going to finish, but that's what it is. I mean, the first tier is set. There's no way that somebody outside of the top tier of those three guys is going to win the MVP award. It will either go to Jokic, Embiid, or Giannis. And then the other guys, you know, Luka and, and John Morant and, and Steph Curry, and I'll put Jason Tatum in there because of how well they played, and Booker. You know, you've got one, two, three, five guys now battling for who's fourth place. Because that's the highest you can get in the second tier. You can't get first, second, or third. But can you get fourth place? And so that's Luca, Ja, Book, Steph, and Tatum. And that's a conversation. Somebody's going to finish in fourth, somebody fifth, sixth, seventh, but nobody's going to finish in the top three. To your point, all right, and if you dig a little deeper beyond the straw poll, all right, Devin Booker did make a lot of headway. And, and you're right. Maybe the way I was looking at it was the little half-empty version, and this is the more half-full version. Because outside of Jokic and Bede and Giannis, all right, the top three guys in the straw poll, there are only two other players in the entire NBA who got a single second-place vote. John Morant was one of them. Devin Booker was the other. So right. somebody out there in this straw poll voted Devin Booker number two on their ballot. All right? That's interesting and maybe significant. Then you go to, like, third-place votes. All right? The only three guys to get third-place votes were John Morant, Jason Tatum, and Devin Booker. And Devin Booker got more third-place votes than either of those other guys did. John Morant got two. Jason Tatum got two. Devin Booker got three. So as far as finishing somebody other than Jokic, Embiid, Giannis in the top three, and you're right, nothing's going to change that. I totally agree. But the player who got the most love as either the second or third place finisher in the MVP voting was Devin Booker. He, he was got a, yeah, he, he was he was he got a combined four votes for either second or third. Nobody else was close to that as far as he was concerned. No, so he's and, making and progress. Previous ranking, he was tenth. He moved up to seventh. There's still some time. I mean, maybe he can get the sixth or fifth. I don't know. See, here's the thing, Bernsey. There's no criteria for how to choose the MVP. There is no criteria. I mean, you've got all these voters. And they, I think they kind of like the chaos. They like angry fan bases arguing over this and <laughs> controversy and debate. I mean, it's, it is true. There's no – look up MVP criteria. There is none. I mean, there's no – nobody has given a set of guidelines and rules for how you should vote for the MVP. You know, the, 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 the league's best team last year was the Utah Jazz. Their leading scorer was Donovan Mitchell. He didn't even make an all-NBA team. But he was the leading scorer on the best team. Usually, that guy's in the MVP conversation. Donovan Mitchell wasn't even all-NBA. So – um, you know, this year seems like it's extremely difficult to figure out who is going to be the MVP out of the top three guys. And But I, I do think that, you know, not having a criteria, not having a, a set of boundaries and rules, it's just, you know, they allow people to make up their own minds as to who they think the MVP should be and what the criteria should be, because there really is none. Yeah, Brian Windhorst on ESPN today was asked about this straw poll, and he basically the long and the short of it was, look, there's not going to be much change when it comes to the top three. That's how those are going to be the top three in the in the. MVP. MVP voting. 
been talking about so many other names, including even Chris Paul all season long. But Not a, it's going to be, let me tell you something right now. Yeah. It is going to be Embiid or Jokic. Anybody else that says anything, this poll has been consistent for months. And right now, it's Jokic. Okay, so Embiid or Jokic, right now, it's Jokic. Now, to your point, the criteria about MVP. Bill Simmons on his podcast this past Sunday, and we're going to play a lot of Bill Simmons sound today because, man, he spent a lot of time talking about the Phoenix Suns. A lot of time raving about the Phoenix Suns. He thinks that Chris Paul and Devin Booker are the co-MVPs of the NBA this season. I'll let him make his case. There are these weird seasons over the years when there can almost be a duo MVP that trumps whoever the actual MVP was. And I'm wondering if the Chris Paul-Booker combo will remember. There's been other examples of this. I, I think LeBron and Wade in 2011 was a good example. Uh, Durant and Curry together in 2017. That Warriors team was so good in 2017, they didn't even have a top five MVP. Going way back, there was West and Wilt, 1972. There was a Cowens Havlicek, 1973. So sometimes the team is awesome, but there's not one guy that's responsible for it being awesome, and we kind of don't know what to do with the MVP thing. That's interesting. We've we've talked about that a few times yeah. on the show, actually, haven't we? Yeah, I don't. You know, we've talked about so many different things when it comes to this. You know, you know, books books record without Paul was really good. Um, you know, I think Paul was probably ahead of book and then he went out and the Suns kept winning basketball games and winning basketball games and winning basketball games. So, you know, you look at it and I think, you know, because of that, I think book is, uh, you know, pulled ahead of Chris Paul and all the, you know, straw polls and things like that. And he'll end up getting more votes than Chris Paul and he'll finish, you know, top 10, I don't know where, probably sixth or seventh or who knows, maybe even fifth, um, but I just, you know, not again, not having a criteria and not knowing exactly what, you know, what, what you're supposed to vote for. And how, it just leaves it up to people's interpretation of what they think the MVP is. And you would think you would think that enough of these people would say, OK, who is the best team in the league and who is the best player on the best team? And that guy should get, you know, that, that guy should get a lot of consideration. And I'm not suggesting that Chris and Devin are going to be co-MVPs this year. But I, Bill Simmons, to me, is a very notable NBA guy. And for him to say that this son's team will be remembered for the two of them and not one over the other. I'm going to remember the Suns backcourt probably first out of anything from this regular season. I don't know. Would you Would you have another candidate for that? If you're just like, how am I going to remember this season 10 years from now? I would probably start with Paul and Booker. Okay, and that's not the kind of stuff that gives you hardware. That's not the kind of stuff that gives you trophies or anything, but but I, 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 he makes a good point that when they're this good, when they're this great as an organization, it is very difficult to just pick one and say you're the guy. Sometimes, you know, 2001 World Series, you can't just pick Kurt Schilling. You can't just pick Randy Johnson. You have to take both. You can't tell the story without both of them. And in some ways, that is the Phoenix Suns this year, isn't it? You can't tell yeah. the story without both of these guys in that backcourt together. Yeah, I think I don't know, but in my mind, I think I, I, I think Book is past Paul, and that this is the first time. If you would have asked me before Paul got injured, I would have leaned more towards Paul's more valuable than Book. But then the way they played and what Book's done lately, I think that I and it's listen. I mean, it was teetering on the brink each and every day. I mean, you could have argued it yes. one day Paul, one day Book, one day Paul, one day Book, but I think I would probably I would have probably been leaning more Paul, but then he got hurt, he went out and they won all these games and Book dominated. 
uh, and, and his numbers were unreal, and his leadership was unreal, and his defense, and his ball handling, and his passing, and the assists. And so I think that I've come around on that to, to lean more towards Book than Paul. When we come back here on the Burns and Gambo Show, the annual league meetings in the NFL are ongoing, and that gave us another opportunity to hear from head coach Cliff Kingsbury and the relationship that he and the organization has with Kyla Murray. And yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about J.J. Watt's video on Twitter as well. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo, afternoons. The NFL meetings going on right now. Cliff Kingsbury yesterday. Talking about the current relationship between the organization and Kyla Murray. I mean, we are in a great spot with him. You know, I know that was what it was, but uh, nothing has changed from our end. Since we got him, he's done nothing to do this and continue to. So we're excited about his future. Um, we want to make him Arizona Cardinals for as long as we can. We want to make him an Arizona Cardinal for as long as we can. I know that audio was a little difficult to hear. There was a lot of kind of background noise and whatnot uh, going on. Quote, we're in a good place. That's the business side of it. I stay out of his things for the most part. But as far as our relationship, it's always been great. And we see him as the long-term future, and I know he feels the same way, close quote. Yeah, we haven't seen anything yet where, you know, listen, there's been a lot of hints of what could possibly happen. Uh, and I know, you know, there is a game plan. If they weren't going to get paid, to, you could ask for a trade, could hold out, could hold in. Um, but we haven't heard anything from the Cardinals that they're not willing to do a deal. We haven't heard anything from Kyler Murray that doesn't want to be here. You're watching all these other contracts get done, and you're going to see more get done. David Carr will probably get done. Lamar Jackson will probably get done. These are going to be high-end contracts. And I, I continue to say I, I do think that the Kyler Murray contract extension will get done in this third year. Uh, I just don't think it's going to happen now. I think it's probably going to be happen more in line with when it usually happened, like in June or July. Oh, I, and I'll tell you, I, I don't know if it's just talking with you about it. it. It's got me feeling a little bit better about it. You know, I, I, I feel it's weird. We've gone through, has it been nearly two months? Or are we coming? It's, it's been almost two months of this, right? Like the first week of February was when this really all started. Was the Instagram scrub, right? Yeah. Was that, was that Just when he... Just before the Super okay. Bowl. So it's... That was... Um, man, when, when was that? That was on February 7th. Okay. So you're... Yeah, you're almost... You're almost... February 7th. Kyler Murray unfollows Cardinals. Scrubs account. Yeah. So you're almost at two months right now. You're almost two months of this, mm-hmm. of this stuff going on. I have felt... I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just been radio silence from the agent. Maybe it's it's you know the the, the, the repeated assurances from Cliff Kingsbury. Nope, everything's fine. It's good. Maybe it's what you've kind of been reporting for the last week. I don't know how you feel about it, Gambo. I I feel like like emotionally, I'm in the best place about this that I've been in a long time. Like I feel like now everything's gonna be okay and they're gonna figure it out as long as and I'm gonna give a little caveat to that as long as if Kyler Murray doesn't get a new deal by the draft which we've kind of thought of as some sort of a cutoff before he really starts making some crazy demands if he doesn't get a new deal by the draft I think something will get done this summer as long as he or his agent doesn't flip out and lose their mind about it if it doesn't happen by the draft you know what I mean yeah, but like it's just like this. There's bluffs. I mean, this is this is this is the footloose, right? There's the two tractors and they're going at each other. And you know, I mean, who's? Gonna, I don't know that it's a. Uh, I don't know that it's a bluff. Is it a bluff on the agent's part? Is he really going to ask for a trade? Are they really going to say, "Hey, I want a trade"? If you're not going to, if I don't have a deal done, what what's wrong with 
agree into like starting negotiations and so you don't get to that point start negotiations hey we want to sign your guy we understand that you know it's probably going to be in this range we're willing to be in this range and then negotiate over the next couple of months but I mean, I do think that, that the other side has to realize that free agency is still going on. It's an important draft. I mean, listen, I mean, they got to spend a lot of time on this draft coming up. I yes, mean, this draft do. is in, what, 30 days? Yes, it is. 30 days. We've got the NFL draft in 30 days. I mean, how much time do you want the Cardinals brass working on a Kyler Murray extension instead of working on the draft? I totally agree. I'd rather have them working on the draft. I, I, and right. uh, every, everything you just said. I totally agree with it. It just doesn't necessarily jive with the message that has been kind of coming out of Kyler Murray's side of this and from Kyler Murray's people is that, is that if, you know, if something doesn't happen by the draft, then dot, 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 and then we find out, like you say, is it a bluff? Is it, do they threaten, do they demand a trade? Do they say they want out? What happens if, because it, because, and I think in a normal circumstance, if the agent trusted the team and the team trusted the agent, the team could go to the agent and say, hey, man, don't worry about this. We're going to take care of your guy this summer. We've got some bigger things that we're working on right now with the draft and free agency, but we're going to take care of your guy, we promise. And for whatever reason, either that hasn't been communicated to Kyler Murray's agent or Kyler Murray's agent, it has been communicated to him, and he doesn't believe it. And he doesn't because you've just seen this, this ultra-aggressive stance that's being taken by Kyler's agent, and, and either that hasn't been communicated to him. Or he doesn't believe it when the Cardinals say that to him. And that's got to change a little bit in order for the two sides to work something out this summer, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would I would think so. I, I Listen, it's really simple. I mean, hey, listen, we're going to get to you. Like, we're going to get it done. It'll be it, it'll it right now. I got the draft going on. It's free agency going on. I got to try to take care of it. Like, there's so much going on. I've got time to get this done. I mean, it doesn't have to be done in April. It can get done after the draft. It can get done in May. It can get done in June. But at least work on the parameter. I believe the Cardinals want to get a deal done. And I think that, you know, that the, the Cardinal side, the, the Kyler side is very aggressive in wanting to get a deal done. I told you what the three comps were. The original Deshaun Watson deal, not this new one with the Browns. Yeah. Josh Allen's deal and Patrick Mahomes. You're talking somewhere between 40 and $46 million a year that they're looking on a contract for Kyler Murray. They're not looking for 30 or 35. So I think as long as you go to Kyler Murray's side and you say, look, we're you know, we're in the game at 40, you know, at around 40 million. We're not, you know, we're not going to lowball you at 32. Because I think that's what the fear is. The fear is from the agent is that they're going to make him a lowball offer and then try to PR it and say, oh, we tried to keep Kyla Murray and we made him a really good offer and they're not interested. That's what their fear I, is. And I would be afraid of the same thing if I were him. And that just speaks to what I'm talking about, this kind of lack of fundamental trust between the two sides. I was reading a story about the Raiders and you mentioned Derek Carr a second ago. And in it, you know, Josh, McDaniels is quoted, and the agent for Carr is quoted from being on Twitter. And there's no animosity. There's no angst. There's no, you know, it, it seems like the two sides are kind of working towards us with a spirit of common ground in mind. And I think everybody wants to see that. Which, by the way, speaking of quarterback contracts, did you see what the owner of the Ravens said today about Deshaun Watson's new contract? You mentioned the template for Kyler was the old Deshaun Watson contract. Do you see what Steve, Steve Biscotti. Biscotti said about Watson's guaranteed yeah. contract? Quote. Yeah, about the change of heart thing. I don't know that he should have been the first guy to get a fully guaranteed contract. To me, that's something that is groundbreaking, and it will make negotiations harder with others, close quote. Yeah. Now, I don't know if he's talking about Kyler when he says that. He's probably talking about Lamar, because that's the guy he's got to deal with. But he's right. 
Because Deshaun Watson kind of broke that seal, right? Like, hey, $230 million, and every damn dime of it is guaranteed. That changes the tone of the conversation if you're a quarterback and you're looking for a contract uh, extension. It could. Right, right. It could. But, right, but the Ravens are an incredibly successful franchise. I mean... You know, the amount of playoffs that they've been. They've got two Super Bowl titles. The, the Ravens have won two Super Bowls. What, what have the Browns won? I mean, what have the Browns won? One playoff game in the last 20 years. Okay. I mean, like, I'm sorry. Like, if I'm the Browns guy, I'm like, look, man, I mean, you guys are one of the most successful franchises since you came in, since you became the Ravens. Like, you've been to the NFL playoffs 13 times since 2000. You've won two Super Bowls in that time. You know what I've won? I've won Stugatz. The last good quarterback I had was Bernie Kosar. Like, if this is what I have to do to get this quarterback, mind your own business. Yeah, yeah. Mind your own business. I haven't won a Super Bowl. I haven't won a Super Bowl. I haven't even been in a Super Bowl. I haven't even played in one. I have to give this guy a guaranteed contract to try to help my franchise, and that's what I'm going to do. If you don't like it, tough. Stay in your lane. So I would be pissed if I was the Browns because that's, you know, listen, that's that's what they decided to do. Whether you like it or not, they are they are trying to win. The Arizona Diamondbacks have officially inked their best player to a new five-year contract. So what is Cattell Marte's immediate impact going to be for Tory Lovello's club? We'll ask the Diamondbacks manager that question next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Your exclusive home of the D-backs. Diamondbacks. 98.7 FM. Arizona's sports station. D-backs manager Tori Lovello joins Burns and Gambo to talk D-backs baseball. Welcome back. It's the Burns and Gambo show here on 98.7 FM. Arizona sports station every Tuesday at 2.30. We get the pleasure of having a conversation with the manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Opening day a week and two days away. And joining us right now on the 72 Sold Sports Line, the manager of the Diamondbacks, Tori Lovello, here on the Burns and Gambo show. Tori, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing well. Nice to be with you. Yep, good to have you on, too, especially on the same day that uh, maybe for some, a little bit of a surprise, the reintroduction, if you will, of Cattell Marte, a five-year contract extension that was officially announced today. For you, what does it, what does it mean knowing that you've got your cornerstone player who's going to be in place for at least the next half decade? Yeah, I couldn't be more pleased. First of all, I'm really happy uh, for Cattell and his family. I'm super proud of him for for this deserving contract. He uh, he has uh, risen to the top of the class uh, inside of our clubhouse and inside of our entire industry. People know that uh, he's a, he's a very very good player. And Mike said it best today. We need more people like Cattell Marte to step into our clubhouse and become that caliber of player to get to where we're going. We feel like we have several that are in player development. We have several that are potentially in our clubhouse right now that are still growing into that level but the bottom line is he's here and uh, he wanted to be here we wanted him here he's a great teammate he's a great player and he's hopefully going to take us to the next level i'm guessing if you took like 100 diamondback fans in the offseason and you asked 100 diamondback fans in the offseason are the d-backs more likely to trade Cattell Marte this offseason or extend Cattell Marte this offseason that more the majority of those 100 fans would have said trade him so given that you've extended him what to you does that say kind of big picture about where the organization is right now? Because I think some were a little surprised by this move over the last couple of days. 
Yeah, I think it speaks volumes about what direction we're going in and, and uh, what our future is going to look like uh, in the very, very near future. Uh, you know, Mike, Mike outlined several key points today. Uh, you know, it's Cattell Marte along with the people inside of our clubhouse and the, and the, and the group that's coming from player development that Ami El Sade and his, his group have built for over the past five or six years. So we've got really, really good players. Uh, and I understand what the fans are thinking. Um, they're, they're, they're in flow in the flow of what we're doing. We've had to trade away some of our best players here because of our situation. Um, and, and they know. They're smart. Uh, but I think it, it, it's, it's making a commitment, not just to what's happening inside of this clubhouse uh, player-wise. It's making a commitment to this this valley and this, this state that the Arizona Diamondbacks are going are to improve each and every day, and we're going to commit to these players that we can uh, continue to build around to make something really good happen here. Troy Lovello, manager of the Diamondbacks, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. A uh, bunch of moves over the weekend and over the last week, but with opening day rapidly approaching, is it safe, safe-ish to say that most of roster construction is done by now? That this is the, the, the what we've got in front of us is the final version of at least what the roster is going to look like near opening day? Uh, not quite. You know what? Uh, this has been such an unbelievably fast-paced um, uh, spring training. It's been condensed into four weeks. You know, we got uh, whatever it is, ten more days until the season opener. Um, <clears throat> so, we're we're kind of in that stretch drive as far as getting our guys ready and trying to ramp them up, but it, but being able to evaluate and be able to give guys a fair look, we have not quite got there. We told these guys when they stepped into into camp um, when it originally opened that this is going to be a very competitive camp. There are some positions that are wide open, and we still have to take a look at several guys. Several guys have been making an impact, and from a starting pitcher standpoint, you can see some of the names that we've been pulling in here. We've got a lot of work to do to to, to get down to the final. Final five. Uh, we got to figure out what we're going to do. If we're going to piggyback in certain situations because of the short spring training, if we're going to carry more starters, what's our bullpen going to look like? Still wide open. We feel like we have our our hands on a lot of the key names, and and the fans know who they are. But inside of inside of what's happening every single day, we have a lot of really important decisions to make. So no, we're not quite there yet. We still have a few more send downs to make. But it's a very competitive camp, and I like to get that part of the competition. It brings out the best in everybody. Yeah, and, and those are those are internal decisions, and I'm glad you brought that up because I want to ask you about that, but I, I was also kind of referring to external decisions in terms of bringing those on the outside in. Is that process relatively shut down at this point, or would you imagine there's still room, even with 10 days before opening day, to be able to make an addition if you guys want to? Well, that's a great question. You know, uh, when we talked about signing Zach Davies, that was a fantastic addition. Um, and it, it, it wasn't there. It was Ian Kennedy. Um, but our group, our front office, is so good at watching our ball club, having, coming in, having conversations with myself and the rest of the staff, getting input as to where we are and where some of those holes are, where some of the improvements can be made. And, you know, we, we're not going to go out and sign Babe Ruth. We know that. We have to be very creative with who we're going to sign who we're going to bring in, and we want to bring in good people, good teammates that fit into what we need each and every day. So that's that's the priority. Our guys are always scouring um, the entire league for areas of improvement and guys that we can bring in here. So do I think we're done? No. Are there conversations being had about how we can upgrade? Absolutely. But those will be ongoing right through the entire uh, next week and right on into the start of the season, and I'm sure it'll, it'll, it'll take place for the rest of the season as well. Troy Lovello joining us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. You mentioned Zach Davies. 
movies. He was on my list. I wanted to ask you about him because that's a recent acquisition for you guys. I saw it. I just assumed penciled in fifth starter. Is it not quite that clean and neat and simple when it comes to Zach? Yeah, unfortunately it isn't because we're still trying to build him up and we're still trying to evaluate him. You know, if you look over the, the, his track record over the past several years, it's, you know, 30 plus starts a year. He takes the ball every fifth day. Um, he's, you know, led, I think he led the league and wins with seven in, in the, um, in the 2020 shortened season. He won 17 games a few couple years before that. So he knows what he's trying to do with the baseball. Last year was just one of those outlier years where he, um, he didn't get off to a good start and, Things just didn't work out. That happens to athletes. So he's back here. He's not really needing to reinvent himself, but to land pitches the way he needs to. He is a, he's, he's a starting point for me. You know, I want to, I'm going to pay very close attention to what he's doing today. We've got to get him built up. We've got to continue to evaluate him. And, uh, and you know, he's got the inside track. I'm going to say that he's done a good job, and we need, to, we need to continue to build him up, and we'll see where that takes him. You referenced it a second ago, the, the compressed spring training, the kind of rushed nature of all of this. Do you, do you expect that spring training Training, for lack of a better way of describing it, is going to kind of extend and bleed over into the first week or two of the regular season as you kind of sort through how to start this season? It could be. Um, you know, we're going to be able to carry two extra players. I think that's that's the language that's uh, that's taking place right now. Uh, who they are and what they what they um, look like inside of our roster, we haven't determined yet. But yeah, you might see some piggyback situations and and um, out of the bullpen where guys are going to go four and four. We have not decided that. So yes, I think it might bleed over a little bit. But this team will be prepared. We do a really good job. We have a great uh, coaching staff that gets our players ready for start the start of the season. So this team will be ready to go. Unfortunately, we don't have enough time to get everybody stretched out as far as starting pitching goes, but we're going to get we're going to get really close. How is Zach Gallen feeling right now? He's feeling very good. Um, he's a guy that we need to, to um, continue to ramp up, and he's uh, he's going to get a start tomorrow. Um, and we're super super excited about that. We're going to get him three and forty five pitches. He's got a little bit of time to continue getting ramped back up. I've been watching his bullpens, his live batting practices. Stuff's coming out real hot. He's in a good spot. Uh, how is Nick Ahmed feeling since we're since we're going through the uh, the medical yeah. roll call here? Yeah, you know, um, look. Uh, you know, he, his, his body and his parts, look, it's like, it's like a, a shark fin, right? You, you, the shark can't swim in the water unless he's got everything perfectly uh, set up and, and he's ready to go and he's, he's on the prowl. Nick Ahmed has a prowler mentality. He wants to go out there, execute at an extremely high level. But, you know, one of, you know, one of these very important features on him is not right. And his right shoulder is right now uh, being evaluated by a team of doctors. Where that takes him... We're going to find out over the next couple of days. Nick is a very important piece of this puzzle. He anchors us defensively. He's always working on his game offensively. We miss him while he's out of these lineups. We don't know what's going on. We'll get that evaluation. Hopefully he's going to miss as little as time as possible. Contingency plans if he has to miss the start of the season. Is it is it Perdomo? Is it sliding Cattell over? I'm sure you guys have discussed it internally. How, how far have you gotten when it comes to contingency plans if he can't go at the start? Yeah, we we've uh, you know we we picked up uh, uh, Sergio Alcantara from right. uh, the Cubs. Uh, we have uh, Geraldo Perdomo, a young up and coming player here. We're really excited about a couple of those players that have the, the potential to step in. Cattell Marte, unfortunately, right now is not into that part of the equation. We're going to keep him over at short uh, over at second base and anchor him there. So we feel like we have two really good guys. The potential for Josh Rojas to maybe move over there is in play. We're not exactly sure what we're going to do right at this point yet. Last one on this. 
this, and then we'll let you go for the day, about Nick. When, when are you expecting to have some form of clarification on his status? Is it in the next day or two, or will it be even shorter than that? Yeah, I think it's probably going to be uh, in the next day or two. He's getting some second opinions right now, um, and we'll figure this out. And, you know, we got to get some clarity on it so we can start to move forward if he's not going to be ready for opening day. We don't know those answers yet. They'll be coming my way as soon as possible. All right, Tori, we appreciate the time. We'll talk soon, okay? Okay, Burns, you have a good one. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. You Bye. That's Tori Lovello joining us on the 72 Sold Sports Line. Get your price at 72sold.com. Of course, at any point during the Burns and Gambo show, you want to chime in on what we're talking about, you can text us your thoughts. The FanDuel text line is open right now at 620-620. Throughout the course of the show, we'll read the best ones on the air. When we come back here on Burns and Gambo, the Spurs keeping the pressure on the L.A. Lakers and one prominent ESPN analyst says they should just shut their superstar down for the year. That's next on Burns and Gambo. The Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. I get real specific with today's Twitter poll question of the day, which when you only have seven games left in the regular season, you can afford to get real specific when it comes to today's Twitter poll question. For that, I turn it over to Eric as we're trying to come up with a final determination on the number. Eric? I I feel like we've had every step of the way so far. The preseason predictions, we just had a pizza party for it yesterday. Yeah, baby. (laughs) Shout out the New York Pizza Department and John Gambadoro. Which, which, by the way, I gotta tell you right now, I gotta Gambo, I'm very appreciative for you bringing pizza for the entire crew, for the entire web team. Yeah. I don't know about anybody else. That pizza made me so tired all day yesterday. It was good. It was really good, but it was just like, man... I eat so much. I just want a nap. Because you usually just eat salad. I know. That's exactly right. You usually just eat a salad. Normally just a little salad, a little olive oil, a little, you know, red wine vinegar. It's a cheat day because the sun's got 60 wins and we're celebrating. Man, I ate that. I ate that big old Sicilian pizza pie from NYPD and it was was nap time, baby. I was ready to go to sleep. Listen, these other they're all young kids, right? I mean, they can eat whatever they want. Like, yeah. you know, we're older. We can't eat whatever we want. We eat salads. <laughs> what did you have for lunch today? Salad? What do you have for lunch tomorrow? Salad? What are you going to have on Friday? Salad. What do you eat? What do you eat for lunch on the weekends? Salad. There was a somebody yeah. put a, a Twitter poll up like if you could take a pill every single day that would let you eat whatever you wanted to without consequences. I'm like, oh, yeah, sign That's me up for that. That's the biggest no brainer of all time. Just, just sign me up for that right now. But <laughs> I, I am not at that stage in my life anymore. That's not how that goes. So, OK, yeah, we had the pizza party yesterday to celebrate 60 wins I'd for like the to, Suns. Hmm? I'd like to drink. I'd like to drink soda every day. Would you? Without yeah, consequences? I, don't, I mean, I drink it like once a month, but I would love to. Cause yeah, it's so bad for you, yes. but I love the taste of it. <laughs> I love the taste of I soda. Agree. I agree. All right, what's our poll question? There? All right, what like we said, us? we've had every stage of it, but now we're getting down to brass tacks. Let's get specific. The most wins the Suns can get this season is 68. With seven games remaining, you think they will end up winning blank games. Your options are 65 or fewer, 66, 67, or 68. I hate betting against this damn team. I know, I know, I know. I don't want to bet against them. I know, I'm, I'm half tempted to say 68 just so I can cover myself in case they get it. Right. But I'm going to say 66. I think they go 5-2 and two the rest of the way. And I haven't even looked at the schedule. I'm just kind of spitballing it here. I think they go 5-2 and two the rest of the way. They end up with 66. Um... 
One loss. One loss. All right, you got 67. Him 67? I'll give him one loss. All right. Two things are true in this world. It's salad day every day, and the Suns will probably win whatever basketball game they're playing. But the poll results are in, and 54% say 66 will be the amount of wins the Suns end up with. 21.5% say 67. 13.3% say 68. And 11.2%, I think, are still struggling with math and say 65 or fewer. <laughs> well, they're not struggling with math, necessarily. They just maybe wonder how many guys the Suns are going to rest down the stretch, and Gambo and I happen to think it's not going to be very many. Uh, that's the poll question. You can find it, as always, on the Burns and Gambo Twitter account managed by Eric and Mitch here on the Burns and Gambo show. Did you see... Did you see, Gambo, that the Spurs won again last? Oh, I did. Uh, I the, did. They held on to beat the Rockets 123-120. They actually, the Rockets had a chance to tie it at the buzzer, but Martin's three-pointer kind of went in and out. So with that 123-120 win by the Spurs, they are now a half game back of the L.A. Lakers for the final spot in the play-in tournament with about seven games to go for both teams. Uh, eight specifically for the Lakers, seven to go for the Spurs. They both have pretty tough schedules down the stretch. It's not just the Lakers. It's the Spurs, too, who have a pretty tough schedule the rest of the yeah. way out. Yeah, but they're, they're healthy, and the Lakers are not healthy, right? LeBron's, you know, they, those guys are still probable for this this game today, right? Probable Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And I even saw something I think I sent it to you this morning on, man, is it, it you know, what are they, what are, what are you even playing for? Like, you know, why not just, why not just sit these guys and, and, not, and not play him? I think it was, uh, um, you know, should the Lakers shut down LeBron? It was an ESPN thing. And yeah. then, do, you, do you consider shutting down LeBron? I think it was Jay Will who was talking I have about it. it. I have it right here. Let me play yeah, it for play you. It. This is it. You have a sore left knee that you missed multiple games already. Now you roll your left ankle. What are we trying to have LeBron James do at the age of 37? We're trying to have him come back and fight for a 10th seed. Like, it, it gets to a certain point where you're thinking, what's in the best long-term interest of LeBron James mm. more so than short-term game? Wow. Yeah. But I don't know what their long-term game is. Like, he's not, it's not like he's 28 or 29 years old. There's not that many years left you know, for LeBron James. I mean, I don't think he's going to play until he's 45 years old. I mean, uh, look, he's not, you know, in, in, the, in the past, LeBron James played on a Cleveland team that he took to the finals that had absolutely no talent around him. He can't do that anymore. No. He can't do that on his own anymore. So get to the playoffs, give yourself a chance. You know, you don't want to, you know, that's the thing. It's not like he's a young player and you're like, okay, I, you know, I don't want to ruin the next couple of years. Or if I'm LeBron, I'm about to sign a five-year extension. I do believe he's eligible for a contract extension this, this offseason. I don't know what the hell they do. I mean, uh, the best thing for them, honestly, is to move on and start over. You know, move on and start over. I mean, you're the Lakers. You'll always get great players. You'll always get them. It happens. Like, you might go two, three years within a low, but it's Los Angeles. It's a big city. It's a lot of stars there. There's history. There's tradition. It's not like the Lakers will ever be down for a long period of time like the Knicks are. You know, the Lakers will always be fine. They'll always get guys. They should probably start over. But... I, and there's a lot of teams out there now that in the past, three years ago, everybody would have wanted LeBron. Now, hey, hey, can the Phoenix Suns could get LeBron. Would you trade? I wouldn't want LeBron on my team. Him. I absolutely not. I wouldn't You're want Cleveland. Him. You don't want LeBron. There's a lot of these teams. Don't, a lot, most of these teams in the league don't want LeBron right now. Yeah, here's Brian Windhorst. Same segment this morning on Get Up where Jason Williams had said that it's the best interest to shut down LeBron at this point. Here's Brian Windhorst this morning saying to get out of this mess, the Lakers will have to thread the needle this offseason. It's going to take threading a needle to get this Lakers team out of the current situation. They're going to have to 
hit a home run in free agency with very limited dollars. They are going to have to hit some sort of Russell Westbrook trade. And I'm not sure that Rob Palinka has demonstrated that he's going to be able to do it. The big thing here is in August, LeBron is eligible to sign a contract extension. So he will evaluate the moves in June and July. They don't have a draft pick. That's out the window. He will evaluate the moves in June and July and then extend or not. So this is going to be a very delicate couple of months when this season is merciful. But it doesn't even feel to me like LeBron has that kind of power over the organization anymore. Like, hey, do what I want you to do. Otherwise, I might not extend. Okay, then don't extend. Don't extend. Then don't extend. Do us a favor. Right. Do us a favor to not extend. I mean, you can't. Yeah, listen, they play 21 games with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. I think I brought this up, up yesterday. They're 11 and 10. When those two guys play. Don't give me the all oh, as long as LeBron and Anthony Davis play together. Once they're healthy, they'll be fine. No, they're not. They're 11 and 10 when those two guys play together. They're 500 team when those guys play together. And when they miss games, they're below 500 team. I mean, if I'm the Lakers, I, I mean, at some point, I've got to start over. LeBron's age just to look, it failed. It was, it was, a, it was a, a massive failure. Uh, well, they, they won uh, a title them, out of it. I mean, they, they didn't win. No, but this team that they put together now, this, year, this yes. team that they this tried to put together with failure, Westbrook. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it was LeBron wanted to surround himself with like, he tried and it failed, right? He tried and it absolutely, it, it failed. But now if you're the Lakers, you got to think, what are, you want to you extend LeBron for how many years? Two, three years? Oh, man, I don't know. Yeah. If I'm Lakers ownership, I'm thinking like, what's, why, for what? You think you can beat the Phoenix Suns? How how can the Lakers beat the Phoenix Suns over the next three years? They can't. The answer is they can't. Over the next three years, they can't. No, there's nothing they could do. Like, there's nothing the Lakers can do. There's nothing that they could do that uh, that would allow them to beat the Phoenix Suns over the next three years. So why try? Like, they may try, but, like, I promise you, they can't. Over the next three years, the Lakers will never finish with a better record than the Phoenix Suns. The Lakers will never beat the Phoenix Suns in a playoff series. And they'll never go further in the playoffs than the Suns. Over the next three years, it's not going to happen. So if you're the Lakers, I mean, sometimes, you know, we look at this. I mean, you've got a juggernaut that's ahead of you. Listen, the same thing with Memphis. They're, they're, they're not better than Memphis. They're never going to finish ahead of Memphis in the standings. They're never going to beat Memphis in the playoff series. And they're never going to go further in the playoffs than a Memphis Grizzlies. The Suns aren't the only team. But once you recognize that as an organization, well, I mean, well, you, you can't keep trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. It doesn't work. This, this mix of players doesn't work. And LeBron's included in that mix of players. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, they were just described by Gambo as a juggernaut. And certainly more and more people around the country are beginning to recognize just how good and just how elite this Phoenix Suns team is. And if you want the reason why maybe it's taken this long for people to start talking about the Suns, you'll find out what that reason is next on the Burns and Gambo Show.